Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Perkyevos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. For this week, we continue with chapter six, Mishnah number five, Perek Vav, Mishnah Hey. And the Mishnah continues with the different benefits of learning Torah. And additionally, I guess the, the outlook a person is supposed to have when they're on their journey, when they're climbing the ladder, when they're trying to fulfill the dictates of the Torah, to study Torah. How do you look at yourself, right? And what should drive you? What should push you to become a bigger and better person? And the Mishnah begins... With uh, as follows, Al Tivakish Gedula The Mishnah says, "Do not seek greatness for yourself, Val Tachmoid and do not crave honor." You should let your performance exceed your learning, and do not desire, do not lust for the table of kings. Because your table, the table of a, a Torah scholar, someone who's on, on the journey of getting close to Hashem, right? Who, who has the, I guess, the crown of Torah, has a greater table. And we're going to explain a little bit later. Because your table is greater than theirs. And your crown is greater than their crown. And your employer is trustworthy to pay you remuneration, remuneration for your deeds. So the Mishnah starts off with, with an insight for our attitude when we're on the journey to, to, um, of study that when we start to learn, when we start to perform mitzvos, we shouldn't do it for greatness. Meaning obviously we want to become great, but my point is we shouldn't try to strive to become great in, in regards to having control over people we shouldn't strive for positions of power. That's not the reason why we do things. Now, I'm, I'm going to get into, obviously, when someone is a leader of a community that naturally does come with power and authority, but there is an outlook that, that every leader and every person who is in a position of authority needs to have in order to not lose his focus, to not lose their focus on what the correct outlook should be when a person has um, authority, right? As the expression goes, I don't know if it fits perfectly over here. They said power corrupts, total power totally corrupts. I forgot the exact um, phrase, but the point is, is that when a person is studying, when a person is performing mitzvos, they need to have the proper outlook. And we, you know, there is such a thing as positive peer pressure, which we have talked about in the past. But ultimately, when someone does something good, 
They have to do it because that's what Hashem said to do. That's the right thing to do. And we don't do it because of what other people are going to say about us. Now, that could be for the positive and also, uh, you know, for, um, for the negative as well. That we're not going to try to act in a certain way so that people should, should uh, respect because we want to gain people's respect. What happens is that when a person does what they're supposed to be doing, when they're doing the will of Hashem and they're studying and they're learning and they're performing, so then naturally people want to emulate them. But we don't, we shouldn't be trying to do these things to, to learn, to do mitzvos in order to get people to, to respect us, in order for us to achieve a certain level of superiority, quote unquote, that we should think of ourselves as better than others. We should do it because it's the correct thing to do. That's what Hashem wants us to do. And we shouldn't take any other factors into consideration when it when in regards to our growth, that it's about us and Hashem. Obviously, when we there's concerns, there's I guess we have to be careful with the, you know, there's ways of dealing with the people around us. We have to be careful with the feelings of others. But ultimately, the reason why we do things is not for other people. We do things because, number one, is what Hashem told us to do, and we have a responsibility to do it, and for ourselves as well. And it shouldn't make a difference what, you know, how, how what benefit or what not benefit we're going to get from, from doing a certain mitzvah or learning Torah. And that's really what the Mishnah is beginning. It's starting off. is A person should not try to seek out these positions to, to become great in, in Torah, to become, you know, uh, to exceed in, in, in performance of mitzvot in order to, to be a, a power, to have this source of power. And we do see in the Talmud that um, the Talmud very much and different other sources as well relates that a person, it's better for a person to run away um, from these positions of honor. Now, that really leads us to a question is that how, you know, as somebody, my, as myself included, right, being a rabbi, right, I guess that puts me in a position of authority to a certain degree, um, right, or any, any leader, you don't have to be a rabbi to be in a, in a leadership position. Um, how do you, how, how, how do we view ourselves and every person in their own situation, right? We all are, we all are, I guess, um, leaders in different capacities. So if if we're in a situation, right, there could be, we, we could be people that could depend on us for certain things. We could be a, uh, you know, even a parent, a child, a siblings. There's many ramifications, different scenarios where a person can find themselves in a position where he's, he or she is, I guess, in charge of others. So the question is, is how do we, what's our outlook supposed to be? If we see that the Mishnah, right? It tells us, do not seek out positions of authority, right? Do not seek out this greatness. It's better to be on the side, to be quiet on the side and to not have the, I guess, the, this, I guess the positions of authority, right? And we see other places as I'm going to get to that we see this. So what's supposed to be our outlook? What is supposed to be, how are we supposed to deal with it when it comes to other people? If, you know, if someone has to be in charge, right? There can't just be every, a free-for-all. There has to be, it's important. Every community needs a rabbi. Every show needs a rabbi. Or, and, and every organization needs a leader. And every, every everybody is a leader in their own right. And 
in order for things to function properly, there, there are there needs to be people who are leading the way and and um, guiding the rest of of the community. So, what is their outlook? What is the outlook of of the of of the um, people who are in the positions of authority? So we know that to gain a position for one's own honor, for one's own ego is incorrect. But if somebody is doing it for the sake of the community, for, for, the, for the sake of others, to benefit the Jewish people, to, to improve the lives of others, so then it is permissible. It is, a, it is a good thing. The question is, how do you maintain that outlook? How do you keep that focus and not let any power corrupt? Right? I, how do you prevent any of those feelings that someone might think, God forbid, that they could be superior or better from getting into someone's mind? So I, I saw a very nice explanation, or I guess a, a thought that was brought down by Rabbi Matisio Solomon, who is the Mashkiach. He is one of the head rabbis in Lakewood Yeshiva. And he writes that when a person is in a position of leadership, Right. Let's say a rabbi or really it's not just a rabbi. I don't want to pick on the rabbis. Right. It gets me. I don't want to get defensive over here, but it's anybody who's in a position where they have sorora, which is like authority. That's the Hebrew word for it, that they, they shouldn't look at themselves as I am a leader in the community, but rather they need to view themselves as a public servant. Right. We see politicians. They use this term public servant that they are serving the the public right i think they sort of um co-opted that term to make themselves look good right i don't know if every guy who's a politician uh truly believes that or not truly believes it truly has these the pure intentions of being a public servant you know there are some people out there that that really do want to improve the lives of others but I think if everyone probably agrees with me, when it comes to politicians, most of them are probably, I shouldn't say most, many of them are, are self-serving. But the, 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 there's a term that is thrown around um, very often that people who are in the public sphere and they're in these positions where they're making decisions for, for I guess, the population at large, they use the term public servant. That they are not, they're not, I guess, using their authority to make decisions just for everybody, but rather they're they're trying to make the best decisions for the community at large so everyone could benefit in the best way possible. So when a person gets into a position of leadership, they have to remember that they're not in leadership, they're not in a position of authority, but rather they are a public servant. And they are, it's, and this actually, and, and, and this is their, something which should be in the forefront of, of their mind. And just reminds me, there's two things that just popped into my mind. Is that by the, during, when the Jewish people had a king, there was two Sefer Torahs that the king had to have. And one of the Sefer Torah was a small Torah which would always be hanging from his neck so that he should never forget for one moment that he was also governed by the rules of the Torah. 
he, even though he's the king, he is the, the top, top gun, right, in the Jewish people. And we know that the king had to be on the highest level, but even him, there, he always had to remember that he had to follow the Torah. But we see, though, with different, different um, stories, I saw it brought down the Mesil Sisharim, when he is when the Mesil Sisharim, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, is describing how one acquires the trait of anava, of humility, he brings down a few different steps in order that someone should follow in order to achieve anava, humility. And one of the, I guess, the prerequisites that are listed in order to acquire the trait of anava is this idea and this thought that a person needs to flee from honor, flee from positions of authority. And he brings down a story about Rabbi Gamliel. And I believe Rabbi Gamliel was the Nasi. And at a certain point, the Gemara and Hirius, the Talmud Hirius relates that his students were extremely poor. And he offered them positions where they would be able to receive a salary and they would be able to support themselves. The students who are righteous um, individuals refused because they had learned, right? We see for our Mishnah, do not learn in order to be for greatness. A person should detest positions of authority. Go away from it. He shouldn't take it. So Rabbi Gamliel answered them. He's like, do you think I'm offering you positions uh, of authority? I'm offering you servitude. Because the proper outlook for one who is in charge of another, right? And really, we could all relate to this. It's not just for rabbis and for people who sit on the boards of organizations. It's, it's for each and every one of us. Because each and every one of us make decisions that involve other people. That we, at times, could be telling people what to do for certain things. So my point is that we all exhibit these traits of authority at certain times. Now, some people more than others, and some people, their decisions will affect more people. But my point is, is that we all have to have an outlook of what should be our mindset when it comes to us having to, I guess, I don't want to say boss other people around because it doesn't sounds a little bit gruff. But my point is that when we're in a position where we're telling other people what needs to be done and things have to be accomplished, right? Maybe it's for some, for some of us, it's a small thing, right? Telling someone to, 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 to water the plants, right? Um, or for others, it could be very big of go take care of this for the community. But for all of us, we have to have the same outlook of how we view ourselves when we're in this leader role do we look at ourselves as people who are just i have the power now i could just ah it's exhilarating i could boss someone around or do we say no this is something needs to get done someone needs to be the one to do it but i don't look at myself as this big power hungry person but rather i'm i'm a public servant Right, the the term that we could take it from the politicians that a person uh, they, they actually probably got it from us because 
we see from the, the Gemara, the Talmud relates that Rabbi Gamliel said to the students, I'm not giving you authority. I'm giving you servitude because the proper outlook of someone who's in leadership, and again, every person is that we have to realize that we're there to service others. That the, the, the community, the responsibility of the community, right? Who's that fall on? Falls on the rabbi. It falls on the people in charge. And when it's us, when we're dealing with another person, we should look at ourselves the same way. That something has to get done. And I'm just the one to help to get something done. I'm not a boss. I'm not, I'm not a, um, I'm not just taking power. I don't want to just rule, lord over somebody. That's not what I'm looking to do. That's what should be our outlook. Someone needs to do it. Something has to get done. Fine. But we shouldn't look at ourselves in a position where we're, we're, we're just, I have the power now. I could do whatever we want with it. And this is something it's important to keep in mind because if we don't constantly have this in mind that, you know, that there's a, that we are this public servant and we're here to help others. So then it's very easy to, that the, the power can corrupt, corrupt, right? That's, that's, and hence the expression power corrupts, total power totally corrupts, right? So it's not something which is endemic only to people uh, to Jewish people, but I think this is a human trait in general, that if we don't have the proper outlook, we can quickly forget um, what our proper role is. And once we forget our proper role, there's no limit of what damage can be done. That is one thought for the beginning of this Mishnah. Now, let's continue. So the first, the Mishnah began with Al-Tavakish Number one is, do not seek greatness for yourself. That and that's how we just explain it. Our my little explanation about having the proper outlook. The second point which the Mishnah brings is Val Do not desire honor. And I saw a beautiful explanation that was brought down by Rabbi Yisrael of Ruzhin. Rabbi Yisrael of Ruzhin was one of the great Hasidic masters, um, and he was actually someone who was very very regal. He was a, uh, you know, he, he, in his position, he was the grand rabbi of, of Ruzhin. He had many followers. He, he dressed very regally. And he, there was a certain, he, he held himself in a certain esteem, very honorable esteem. They say about the great Rabbi Yisrael of Ruzhin that the, 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 on the top of his shoe was like very, a very fancy shoe. But in, if you looked inside his boot, there was no soles in his boot. That the 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 shoe was just the bare bare leather. It was really very nothing. And the explanation is given that he did it. It wasn't for his own honor, but rather it was for the honor of I guess of his of his of his followers and for the honor of his of what he represented, right? Because we explain that the honor there is such a concept where someone represents the Torah, right? Somebody who's a let's say someone who's a great sage. So they they wear a certain coat. They, 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 they demand a certain level of respect and that's appropriate because it's not their honor. It's the honor of the Torah, right? You're not just honoring the, the person, you're honoring what they represent. And to make a little bit of a separation, right? The, when it comes to the president of the United States. So even though, you know, maybe in, in the last uh, few years, things have gotten so polarized, but that, that there's this, you know, Hatred either way, whatever side you're on. But the point is, is that the, there is supposed to be a certain level of respect that 
it doesn't make a difference who the person is that is in the office, but he represents the, the person who is the president of the United States represents the office of the presidency, which is an extension of the leader of the of the free world of the United States of America. So even if you hate the person and just detest them and disagree with every single one of their views, you still have to give them that respect because they represent something which is greater than them. So even you, you could not like them, you could not you could disagree with them, but there is still a tremendous amount of respect you need to give them. And I think with that we're able to understand that when it comes to honor, right, for the Torah as well, there's certain there's a concept where a person can can rep, be representing the Torah and, and demand a certain level of respect that, you know, it's not for him. And hopefully that's the person's intentions. It should never be for him, but it's for the the, the office, the the what they what they what they what they represent. So Rabbi Yisrael Rujin was he 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 held himself in a certain way that it was very known that the the, the I guess the nobility of his of his dynasty of the Hasidic dynasty of Rujin. And it wasn't for his honor; it was for the honor of the Torah, for the honor of of the of, of this esteemed Hasidic dynasty. And Rabbi Shalav Ruzin explains a he gives a a, a perspective, a, I guess a parable, which can help us understand, I guess, this falsity of honor of why you know when we're doing what Hashem wants, we're doing the right thing. We shouldn't be craving the honor. We should we should be happy with with what we're achieving in and of itself, in, in ourselves, you know, number, because, and, and the parable he gives is as follows, that there's a, there was a, there was a prime minister of a certain kingdom who would always go about the different countries and the different provinces that the king ruled. And he, and he went as a messenger throughout these areas to always, to see how everything's were doing, to check in, check out. And wherever he went, this, this prime minister, as a messenger of the king, he would always um, receive a tremendous amount of respect. People would bow for him and would, would just give him a tremendous amount of honor. One time, the king decided to go out of the, the castle and to go with him on one of his journeys around his kingdom. And since the king had not gone out so often, the people really did not know how he looked. The minister who, who had gone out all the time, people knew who he was. So therefore, they were they gave him a tremendous amount of honor and respect. But now, when the king was with him, they didn't know who the king. They never saw the king before. <clears throat> so even though he was the in charge of the whole, the whole uh, royal uh, empire, the, the 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 people didn't know who he was. So now, together, the prime minister and the king are going from town to town, and the people are giving honor to the prime minister because that's who they recognized. They didn't know that the king is with him. So just imagine for a moment how awkward, how foolish does this prime minister feel while he's sitting next to the king and people are giving him honor, people are giving him respect when his boss, right, who truly is deserving of the honor is sitting right next to him, right? How embarrassing it was for him to be honored while his master is, is ignored, right? So we know that when it comes to honor, only Hashem truly deserves honor, right? So how embarrassing is it for us when we take the honor that is really rightfully accorded to Hashem? Now, at the same time, we have to give honor to others. <laughs> for us, though, we're talking about our own 
outlook when it comes to craving honor. That if we are desiring of honor, we don't deserve the honor, right? It's, it goes to Hashem, but at the same time, we need to give honor to other people. But going back to our, 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 um, our original point is that I want to just, this desire for honor, it's something which, it's a, it's a human, I guess, nature. It's human nature that we, we do want honor and every person, every human being wants a certain amount of respect. But I think ultimately, when it comes to this, I guess, filling that hole of the, the honor that we, we want and we, we think we deserve, it's not going to be filled from other people. And I, I think this really comes in with compliments as well, meaning it's good to hear a compliment from, other, from people and it's especially good we should give compliments. We should be very easy with it and we should try to give people compliments as much as we can. But sometimes, just like the honor and, and, and this glory, we want, we, we, crave, um, we crave compliments from others. So both of these things have something in common because as much compliments as people give, it's like a sugar high. It maybe would feel good, feels good momentarily, but then it goes away. And in the long run, the only way we could actually fill that hole of and fill that craving for honor, for compliments, is if we compliment ourselves. What do I mean by that? Is that if we compliment ourselves, we tell ourselves all the good things we're doing right? Of all the things we're good at and we do those things. So then we're going to feel good about it. We actively tell ourselves that we are good at X, Y, and Z. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm able to relate to people. Well, I'm very good at, um, whatever, whatever our skills, our skill set is, our strengths are, we should tell ourselves, we should know what we're good at and then do, do those things. And give ourselves, a, give ourselves the compliment. We don't need someone else to do it. And when we do this, we, we are building ourselves up inside because ultimately the only way that a person gets to a point where they're not going to need that sugar high of honor and, and compliments is that if they know their own self-worth, if we, if we know what, what we can do, what we're doing, right? Because if we're doing good things and we know we could do and we are doing those things, Tell yourself you're doing, I'm doing a good job. I'm doing a good job. Give yourself that compliment. And that's going to be something which is much uh, more sustainable and much more, it's going to last much longer than if somebody just says a compliment. It goes in and, and a few minutes later, it's gone. Now, we still have to give compliments to other people, right? Because there is a point to it. It does. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say here tonight that honor and compliments doesn't make someone feel good, right? It's like the sugar high. But my point is it, it, it has the ability to raise someone up. But in the, in the long run, when it comes to permanence, you know, we need to take, you know, we could take, a person is able to take a sugar high and try to turn it into something else. My point is, is that in the long run, we need to give ourselves those compliments and tell ourselves the good things we're doing in order for us to, to fill that void and keep ourselves satisfied in that regard. So although it's important for us to give those compliments to others and it feels nice when we get the compliment, we have to realize that if we want it to be sustainable and to keep going, we have to find it within ourselves and to give ourselves compliments. So let's continue.
Let your performance exceed your learning. Now, what does this mean? Your performance of doing mitzvot should do should be more than what you learned. How is that possible? How is it possible to to do something if you haven't learned it yet? Right, that's the question that the commentaries ask on this point in the Mishnah, because you could only do as much as you know. And it reminds me of this cartoon with you know that with the uh, Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny, where he's chasing Bugs Bunny and he he runs off a cliff, and he's not falling down, and Bugs Bunny hands Elmer Fudd a book about gravity. He reads the book, and all of a sudden he he falls down to the ground because he didn't know about it. So he didn't know about gravity, so it didn't affect him. But the point is, is that how, the question is, is how does one do more than what he knows? <clears throat> and I saw one answer, the, the Ruach Chaim explains, or Chaim Belajner, that what the Mishnah is telling us here is that a person has to always evaluate what they're doing. That the, a person's performance of mitzvot always have to exceed our habit. And that means that a person needs to always keep looking at themselves to see if there's any area where someone can improve themselves and their performance of mitzvot. Because many times we, we take upon ourselves things to do, um, mitzvot and, and, and Torah and, and good things. But once we start doing it, it, it just becomes part of us, which is good, but we forget about it. We, we don't take another look maybe after a certain amount of time, right? We don't take a second examination to see if we can improve on the things that we're doing already as well. So besides for doing new things and, and trying to improve ourselves in that regard, we also at the same time need to be examining the things that we do already to see if there's any way that we can improve upon our performance currently, right? Just like any, any good... Um, uh, employee is always, I guess, his performance reports. So we ourselves as well should be taking these performance reports in regards to our, our Torah and mitzvot. Is there something that we're doing already, right? Let's say uh, in our observance of Shabbos, let's say we, 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 we are observing the laws of Shabbos. Is there something I can improve on, right? So, and, or if there's, let's say it's in another area of, of halacha, of Jewish law, or another area of mitzvot, is there, is there something about this mitzvah that I could do a little bit better, that I could improve on just a little bit, that I can, that I can be a little bit more, right? We should always have that striving attitude to strive, to just to be a little bit more than we are. And I know I have a rabbi, he always says, he says, he's a person has to be mildly dissatisfied with himself. And it doesn't mean that you should be unhappy. That's not what it means. That's not what my um, Rebbe means. But rather it means that in regards to our position where we are in, in, in growth, in ruchnius, in, in spiritual matters, we should never be fully satisfied exactly where, where we are. Now, I, I don't want anyone to think I'm contradicting myself as I said before, because I was saying you have to give yourself compliments that, that uh, you're doing good and you're doing well and the things you're doing right. That is true, but at the same time, you have to have a little bit that I could do this a little bit better. You always have to be a, a little, you know, a little bit dissatisfied with one aspect that you're doing so you can improve. 
Because that's what it means here. A person should always do that a person should always be examining and re-examining himself to, to find areas that we could improve ourselves just a little bit um, than what we were doing previously. Let's keep going. And a person should not lust for the table of kings. Because for your table is greater than theirs and your crown is greater than their crown. So the way I, I wanted to understand this thought of the Mishnah is that the Mishnah began with the right perspective a person has to have when it comes to their path in Avodas Hashem, the service of God. Shouldn't Don't do it for the glory. Don't go after honor. Always examine what you're doing to do a little bit better, right? So many times, we should, when we're doing these things, we're trying to live our life the right way. We'll we'll look at other people, and you know, and also maybe we're we're, we're making sacrifices to live our lives according to the to the standard to the appropriate way, and it's not so easy always. And we could easily, it's very easily for us to look at someone else and say, "Wow, he's getting such honor, right?" Or how they're living a certain lifestyle, and I'm not living that lifestyle. It seems like they're living the good life, and I'm not. Right. Or we see other people who are so who also who are living the, the correct way, but they're receiving a lot more honor, a lot more glory than than I am. Right. It seems like they're getting all the attention and I'm little old me sitting around here trying to to do my thing and, and no one's even noticing. No one cares. Right. That's what it could feel like at times. Right. Maybe no one cares about me. Maybe no one's noticing what I'm doing. Does Hashem care? Does anyone care? I'm all in it alone, right? If anyone if anyone um, has these thoughts, you're not the only person, right? I, I These thoughts come across my mind sometimes, or why am I, does anyone, right? You could do some type of, uh, you could do a podcast and you could question yourself, are the people out there that are, that are really benefiting from this or not? You know, you, you question yourself. But it's important to remember that the 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 end goal here is not the honor from other people and living the good life that's number one because in the next world the the reward that we will get for doing what we're supposed to be doing will will I guess will will be way more than any type of table of kings that the mishnah is referring to here right so even though we see others they're living the life it seems that's not the reason why we do what we do and it may, might very well be that when, when, when a person comes up to the next world after 120 years, their table might, might, might very well be, it will be, that when a person who gives it their all and did everything they're supposed to be doing, even if they, quote unquote, weren't necessarily noticed down here, right, they're going to be noticed upstairs. And, and, and the Chavetz Chaim, I, I think, I believe it's the Chavetz Chaim, he relates that... <clears throat> In, in the map of the world, right, there are the big cities. There's London, there's Paris, there's New York City. In, in uh, the next world, the big cities are the places of Torah, right? And in his time, it was Radin and Baranovich, these small villages. And nowadays, the, I think in Poland somewhere, right, they're tiny little villages. But that's where the yeshivas were. That's where the st- houses of study were. That's, you know, on, on God's map, those were the, um, the metropolises. So the point is, is that, and we see different Gemaras, different you know stories in the Talmud where people had these um, outer body experiences, and they they came back and they said, "What do you see in Shemaim? We see what's it's Oilam Hafech or I see, I see a upside down world because things that down here 
are honored and 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 given and and given um, prestige to upstairs in the next world are not, and things that are looked down upon in this world and 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 tread upon are are given great honor in the next world. What that means is that people who are doing what they're supposed to be doing here in this world are the unsung heroes because when they come upstairs to the, to the next world, they're going to be, they're going to be the, 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 the center of attention, the center of attention. And that's, they're going to have a tremendous, tremendous award. So we have to remember that, that even though we might not be, th- we might think we're not getting the reward we deserve right now for doing the right thing. We have to remember that it will come. It's not for this world. It's in the next world. We're going to get it. And, and I also have to say on a side note that God willing, when people do the correct thing, even here in this world, they do ultimately, 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 they do benefit from that. And this actually fits in very well because we know the Mishnah ends off, that Hashem, who is referred to as in this, in this uh, tense as the employer, right? He is, he is trustworthy. We can rely on him to pay us back when the time comes, because although, right, we don't have to, we shouldn't just look at this world, how everything is, you know, maybe it doesn't necessarily make sense to us, why people, certain people get rewarded and certain people don't get rewarded. And we're trying to do the right thing. And I'm having such a hard time. We should remember the fact that Hashem is trustworthy. We can rely on him to give us the reward that is due to us, which will be more than anything we could have imagined in the next world when the appropriate time comes. So with that, I'm going to finish today's Mishnah. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbi Shlomo Cohen with a K at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.